Okay. Are we live? I think we are. Should be working now. And yes. We seem to have some support as well uh, in, uh, let's call it director's chair or something. But so let's, so let's, all of this should be now working. So let's start. So we can start, yes. Good evening, everybody. There we go. You can see that the stream is now operational, which means we are live. Welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome everybody in terms of our guests who are already online. Good evening, Thanks to everybody. our guests who are actually present here. Good evening, yes. Good evening. Good evening. We have we have a new setup. Yes. Welcome to the first live stream. Uh, I'm beardless today. Yeah. I lost my beard uh, during the during the last uh, preparations for the for the podcast. So I'm sorry. We shall survive that somehow. Yes. You are beardless because of a traffic accident with, so we uh, with, have, uh, with some kind of a tool that went to your face. But any case, uh, we have a different show today. Yes. Uh, first and foremost, we are live. Second thing is that uh, we have guests, multiple guests uh, that are going to be reintroduced uh, uh, a little bit later. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's start. No yeah. news, no, nothing else today. Let's yeah. go straight to the point. Yeah, the no news today because uh, this is meant to be a live stream and we have a specific topic that we want to cover. So therefore we decided that news would be just too much. Basically our topic today is related to IT education, specifically two different means of IT, IT education, which is college type of IT education and IT certification. Those two things can be something that happens, uh, let's say, in parallel tracks to one another, or it can be something that somebody pursues via one alley or the other. Doesn't really matter which way you go. Our topic today is to try to explain why both of these things can be so important and how does that work from the perspective of uh, some of the things that Yasmin and I do specifically. Because as we mentioned a couple of times already on our podcast, both of us work as, let's say, college, private college professors or something like that. And we have extensive knowledge in terms of um, extensive experience in terms of uh, teaching people how to, um, how to get to grips with various types of IT technologies. Okay, uh, let's start with introducing ourselves. Yes. Vedran, please introduce yourself. Yeah, my name is Vedran. Uh, I am uh, a head of department of operating system at uh, University College Al Algebra, Algebra, whatever you want to call it. And I am a Red Hat VMware and Microsoft trainer with more than 15 years of experience uh, in terms of uh, delivering training. And this year marks the 10th anniversary of me being also involved in higher education. Yasmin? So my name is Yasmin. Uh, I'm also a trainer uh, for the Red Hat and I'm uh, a lecturer here. Uh, officially, Vedran is my boss here at Algebra, but uh, he hates being called that, so uh, we are working the, basically on the same team. Uh, my job is basically to teach everything related to Linux and uh, open source uh, course, other open source courses here at Algebra. And also I do uh, related lecturing uh, whenever there is an opportunity to do this. And I like Linux. Yeah, he is our resident Linux, uh, not so much or yes, so much troll. So let's, let's switch to our guests and uh, just quickly let them introduce themselves. Shall we do it from left to right, or right to left? 
whichever way you want to go. It's all fine with us. Okay. Hello, good evening. My name is Matej. I'm a student at Algebra, fifth year, my final year of graduate studies uh, in systems engineering. Currently work as a DevOps engineer in a company called Reversing Labs. And I'm here to talk about my experience both at Algebra and the rest of the certification path I took. Hi people, my name is Luka Tomislav Galic. I'm 27 years old. Uh, I'm currently doing my undergraduate studies in Algebra University. And I work as a DevOps and Site Reliability Engineer for Deutsche Telekom Cloud Services. And that's, for now, pretty much it. Thank you. Hi guys, I'm Carlo. I've studied at Algebra for the last five years. This is my final year. And uh, I work as a DevOps and Site Reliability Engineer at Deutsche Telekom Cloud Services. And I, uh, as well as Yasmin, I like Linux. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. So there is two of us here. Uh, let me quickly just go through the idea and why we are even here. Uh, I must say that I'm extremely proud because these three guys here are all managed to do the certification on the Red Hat uh, architect level. And this means that they have spent pretty much more than two hours in total trying to prepare for uh, different exams that Red Hat does. And we are going to talk a lot about this tonight. Uh, the reason why we even uh, wanted to wanted to be here and why we even wanted to invite them here is to try to provide insight into what motivates all of us here with different backgrounds, with different uh, types of education to first embrace Linux as an operating system or embrace Linux as a call that's something that we can do. And the other thing is that uh, we are trying to see what is the motivation to actually go and learn something. Because uh, you cannot force people to learn. You can actually, ma only, actually make them to learn. So you can motivate them, you can nourish their idea of learning, but you need to do something for them to embrace learning as, uh, for themselves. So Vedran, mm -hmm. where shall we start? I think that guys should uh because they are the stars of the show today. I think they should uh, start by introducing, uh, let's say themselves from the perspective of how they came to, let's say into our lives from the perspective of uh, signing into college uh, and what's, what is their reason for wanting to obtain some kind of a college degree and how, that, uh, how does that respond with their plans for the future. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Sure. I finished high school in my hometown, Samobor, and as everyone else in my last year of high school, I started scouting for different, different colleges around our area. And I never really thought I would, I would enroll in Algebra for, I don't know, my ignorant reasons at the time. But I actually joined the Winter uh, Ninja Academy here at Algebra. Okay. I saw the whole approach of professors towards us. I saw the whole sort of system of values in here. And I, I actually loved it. I, I sort of fell in love on the first on the first sight. And thankfully through my uh, through my wishes and my parents' decisions, I enrolled here at Algebra, where I met you. 
So, but uh, what drove you to the uh, light side, to the side of the force? Because if I remember correctly, you started as a Windows guy. And I you, did. you decided that Windows is going to be better than Linux. Uh, yes, uh, that's, that's a long story. But my first religious, uh, my first religion in IT was really uh, Microsoft and Windows specifically. I loved Windows administration, but primarily because I loved PowerShell. I now realize that that love was neither for Windows nor PowerShell, it was for automation. Okay, so you had, you had the idea of basically trying to use the computers as they are meant to be used. And the Linux is then the next uh, obvious step into the right direction. I'm, I'm, I'm not judging. I'm not judging. Which uh, Linux distribution, uh, which distribution do you like more? Uh, Windows 10 or Windows 11? <laughs> Windows 10 at the moment. Okay, okay. I'm just, I'm just... Uh, he prefers keeping his sanity in check. Yes. Uh, Luca? Uh, well, as opposed to Bas and Carlo, I took the long way around. I first enrolled into the College of Polytechnics of Zagreb after finishing uh, my high school, which was the Electrotechnical School yes. of Zagreb. So I was pretty much coming from a technical school where we already had like programming and actually CCNA Academy. So I had the, the pleasure of having the experience to learn programming and a bit of networking while I was in high school. So after enrolling in the Polytechnics University, <coughs> I kind of didn't take it too seriously, which caused me to lose about seven years of studying. But at the end, I finally found what I was looking for in terms of formal studies, which is algebra. So, but I wouldn't I wouldn't say that you lost uh, every year that you actually uh, spent on studying uh, is probably something that you gained your, uh, that uh, gave you uh, experience so i wouldn't maybe say maybe he wanted to say something else maybe he wanted to say that he didn't invest time in studying but he did learn something yes how it, to game it, perhaps so it, it, it is it is um, maybe an unorthodox way of uh, approaching the studies but i i, I don't think that any uh, time spent trying to learn something is wasted. You may not learn what you started to, but you learn something along the way. So it's not wasted time. The, the problem is that like in my subjective opinion, like 90% of the subjects there didn't really interest me. And because I was coming from a technical high school background, I didn't take, for example, my programming subject seriously. So when we started doing objective programming, I didn't really follow the courses that we were doing and you know I can probably have my gripes with the way of learning there but to be honest if I like took the book in my hands back then I'd probably finish it so yeah like and like you said professor uh, gaming I was also an amateur esports player <laughs> for Rainbow Six Siege you, you want to hear a secret uh -huh, we kind of were in the same ballpark when we were as young as you were, so yeah. we have a different perspective or different disposition to what you were saying, because I did mention that you probably uh, <clears throat> invested time in gaming, but it's something that's also quite, uh, let's say, something that Yasmin and myself are intimately aware of as well. 
And uh, before we let Carlo do his stuff, uh, what drove you into Linux? Uh, pretty much we had to do a practicum for the university back then when you get the when you get to the third year you have to like work a full working month in some company and uh, our acquaintance uh, Jakov Denona uh -huh. uh, okay mm -hmm. yeah he told me to apply for a company that was looking for like junior Linux technicians for web hosting support and yeah, because I first I wanted to be a programmer and I was really bad pro in programming in uh, the prior college because I wanted to make video games. But then our friend Yakov told me, hey, why don't you join this company? They're looking for a junior techs. And so basically, effectively make it. No, <laughs> no, 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 no Linux experience, but applying for a job with... Uh, oh yeah, like I still have my old notes, like an uh, old notepad with uh, notes I scrabbled of commands. And uh, I said that uptime means how long the domain has been up. Mm -hmm. Okay. I still have that. Okay, it's <laughs> close, close to the truth, but okay. Uh, Carlo? I'm having some issues with my mic. Is it okay? Yes, it's all, it's all good. Well, actually... Uh, I didn't even want to study IT. I wanted to enroll into uh, philosophy. And then my father pulled me aside and said, hey man, think about it. Think about what you can live off. And uh, then I thought about it. And uh, I looked at uh, FER and uh, FOI and uh, what's, it, what's your faculty called? Uh, Polytechnics of Zagreb. Yeah, Polytechnics of Zagreb. But I, I didn't have really good grades in, in high school. So uh, basically algebra was a way out. Let's say a way out, yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I enrolled here. I didn't know uh, what to expect. I read the curriculum, but you know, you don't really know uh, what awaits you until you actually start doing it. And uh, the first year it was okay, but uh, on the second year when I got to know Vedran and you, uh, I really, <laughs> I really started understanding what's it all about. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Uh, before we continue, I will do one thing. I will ask Vedran to try to get us. Uh, the quick and dirty introduction to uh, what does it mean RHI, RHA, uh, RHCA and so oh, on. Those what, weird acronyms that uh, we need acronyms to discuss. And what it actually means because okay. in, the, uh, sorry, in, the next, uh, in the next couple of hours we are going to probably be mentioning Red Hat a lot. Mm -hmm. And it would help us if people who are following us here knew what we are talking about if they are unsure. I know that some of the people who are going to look at this uh, are going to be uh, completely in the know of everything, but let's start with the basics. Okay. So my, my journey is also very compatible to theirs. I started using Linux because of uh, at least uh, Lucas. I had to do some projects uh, in college, just like you did as well. And it started to be very interesting because right around that time, Red had started to appear as a brand, basically. And I made a wild guess that they are probably going to be good brand for the future. And it was more of a poker thing than it was anything that was completely conscious. I was way too young to make those sorts of decisions. And I'm sure you guys have had your fair share of those situations as well. When I finished college, uh, I started working. Uh, I restarted working actually as an IT journalist. While on the side, I was still thinking about whether or not to go to Linux route. And at certain point in time, I went to Red Hat's website, 
checked what they have there and I was faced with a new term that I never heard about, which was certification. Back then, Red Hat's website wasn't as good as it is today. It wasn't really all that easy to find information. So uh, I noticed a couple of weird acronyms. RHCSA, RHCE, RHCI, RHCX. Back then, the architect level didn't exist. Architect level was uh, was introduced way later, seven, eight years after I passed my first Red Hat exam, which was in 2004 or something like that. So on a scale, uh, in terms of difficulty level and in terms of the procedure, first exam on the way to becoming Red Hat whatever is Red Hat Certified System Administrator. That certif uh, all of the Red Hat certifications are practical. There are no theoretical questions. So in order for you to obtain that certificate, you have to pass a practical exam that basically consists of you having to do something. Back then it was physical machines. Nowadays it's on uh, virtual machines. That uh, exam followed on the topics of two courses uh, because it took roughly 80 hours to kind of prepare people for that examination. The next level after that is called Red Hat Certified Engineer, RHCE. And that exam is more is not only, um, I, uh, I always said that it's not a knowledge-based exam. It's something that requires way more than knowledge. It's about having it like at the tips of your fingers without thinking about it, that level knowledge. That's what Red Hat Certified Engineer was up till uh, version eight when they switched to Ansible. Uh, the exams at the time when I started uh, going to Red Hat exams, they were way more difficult than where they are today. Trust me on that. Uh, Carlo is giving me the <laughs> look, yeah, but they really were much more difficult than what they are today. I'm going to just quickly, quickly interrupt you to, uh, with my own story because what actually drew me into Red Hat territory and uh, Red Hat exams is because this is probably one of the exams, one of the only exams that I know of that is completely free of brain dumps, of uh, shortcuts, of everything. Because if you know what you're doing, you're going to pass the exam. If you don't know what you're doing, you are probably going to fail. It is much harder to try to cheat your way. And by cheating, I don't mean that there is a way, actual way on cheating. There uh, is, but, it, but it's a waste of time. Uh, trying to dump uh, enormous amount of information into your brain and trying to pass this exam is something that is completely futile. And this is what I like about this. Mm -hmm. Because what drew me is that there is no way for people who don't know to pass the exam. And also, uh, it gives you an ability to actually say, okay, I understand Linux and I know what Linux is about because I managed to pass the exam that is completely standardized. Yeah, okay. So uh, I passed those two levels uh, in 2004. And then um, a company that uh, I, I, where I did the exams asked me if I wanted to be an instructor. So that's the next level that you can attend as well. That's a, let's say a side track to what these guys have done to Matei, Luca and uh, Carlo, because it's a side track that leads you into education paths, not into uh, so much practical paths, which is a little bit different. And that, that is related to a certification called uh, RHCI, which is related to Red Hat Certified Instructor. And there's a Red Hat Certified Examiner or RHCX there. So if you want to become somebody who teaches people, Red Hat, you went there. But 
uh, right around the time when I passed those two exams, uh, Red Hat started uh, kind of like, uh, uh, they, they gave some test balloons, let's call them that way, on the internet that they're going to introduce in another level, which is nowadays and still called Red Hat Certified Architect. Um, back then, it was it also consisted of five exams, but it was five exams out of seven exams, at we, uh, uh, and out of those exams, four were mandatory. One was a lecture, like uh, something that you can elect to do, like non-mandatory exam, and um, those exams were actually quite quite a bit bigger than what they are today, but they were also. Um, they, 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 they were way too difficult, in a sense. I remember a security exam, a free, free, free exam code. Ten plus years ago, that was something that you had to study for for six months, really, literally. So, atop of these uh, system administrator and engineer level, we have the highest level of Red Hat certification, which is that Red Hat Certified Architect, which is what these three guys are. That even today still requires five additional exams plus, because you can recertify with new exams from that level. Um, but uh, unlike what it used to be, it's a little bit more elective. You have a little bit more leeway in terms of uh, which exams you take, which is actually, uh, I think, a very good move from Red Hat, because in the older days, uh, the uh, architect exam was only for, pre for people who were really crazy. Because um, when you pass the architect level, you are basically forced constantly to be in a recertification cycle all over again, which was completely crazy because exams were very difficult. And you didn't have a lot of leeway in terms of um, electing what you want to do, which is what you today have, which is something that Red Hat introduced to the benefit of everybody, which is a good move, absolutely good move. Back then, nowadays you have 20 plus different exams or on the uh, architect level that you can choose from, which means that you can study uh, for certain topics that are related perhaps to the topics that you cover on your work as well, which is excellent. Okay, let's let's now uh, get the guys to uh, talk a bit. Uh, let's talk about first the exams themselves. Do you think that they are too hard, that they are simple, how many hours do you, do you think that you spend trying to become an HCA? Because um, uh, the exams themselves are different from uh, perspective of different people. For me, some of the, because I didn't, uh, uh, first and foremost, you are better, uh, better in this than me, because I didn't achieve the, your, your, your level. I know that for me, one of the exams was easy, the other was hard. It was hard because it required complete practical knowledge of everything. And I know that the uh, hardness or the complexity of the exam is completely uh, subjective. Because it depends on your prior knowledge, it depends on your motivation, it depends on everything else. The work so, that you do, if you have prior experience, can have, be, be a, have a huge role in it as well. So, are the exams hard? Uh, well, for me personally, since when I first started with the Certified System Administrator Certificate, I had like two years of prior knowledge of working on Linux. So when I started reading the course, uh, I didn't need to like, I actually, to be honest, I took only a week to do it, to read the entire course, to prepare myself. And when I got to that exam, I was like done in an hour and a half, something like that. 
Which and is actually an average of how much time our regular system engineering student takes on RHCA exam today. I know because I do these mm -hmm. exams. Yeah, this is, and that's where we met actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the hardest was probably either troubleshooting or OpenStack, one of those two. So it took you more than two hours to prepare. Oh, uh, actually for troubleshooting, it took me uh, just lab time, 89 hours. Beca okay. Because uh, I was, you know, doing the college uh, duties as well while trying to do the troubleshooting since, you know, troubleshooting does contain some kind of Arcana Obscura if you're looking at mm -hmm. it for the first time. Which was the easiest for you? Uh, not counting the system administrator. No, count it in. Okay, system administrator. Yeah, and that was after that? Uh, virtualization. We agree. Yeah. <laughs> Mate? Well, I think... When it comes to difficulty, first of all, I think they're just on par where you would expect an exam to be. It's not that difficult, really, that coming from someone who failed three exams, I think. Failing is part of the learning. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it but took me two tries to pass two, three of them, I think. Yes, but failing is part of the exam, so... Definitely. Um, and you need to fail to learn. We were talking about before this, we were talking about that you need to be able to fail and you need somebody else to pay for, uh, pay for your failures. Yes, that's something that we discussed in yes. one of the podcasts, which is completely true. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. When it comes to the most difficult one, I think for me it was OpenShift automation and integration exam. Mm -hmm. And for the easiest one, I, I guess I would agree with everyone that it's virtualization, but uh, we have to take that with a grain of salt. We spent a lot of time talking about virtualization, working on virtualization in college prior to us actually attending uh, the exam, uh, both in other technologies, uh, both in other virtualization platforms mm -hmm. and uh, the open, open virtualization or whatever is overt uh, called. So yeah, we had, we had some mileage with virtualization before we actually attended. Yes, I'm just going to uh, tout my own horn and say uh, how much did we help you with the different courses uh, during the actual college, uh, college uh, part? Uh, how those uh, courses that we prepared for you prepared you for the certification themselves? Because for those of you who don't follow the idea that is here, uh, we have two different things. Uh, these guys are both on the college and uh, they are Red Hat certified. Uh, certification is something that you do by yourself. So if you want to certify something, you can actually prepare it by yourself. You can uh, do the courses and so on, and then you go to the exam. But, and there is a big but, uh, as a part of our study program, we also encourage our students to take certifications and some of them are covered by their tuition as well. Yes, but uh, what, what I want to just say, did those courses help? Because you said that virtualization was uh, interesting to you and you had prior knowledge uh, thanks to the college. How much do you think that you gained from the college itself and how much did you have to take by yourself uh, trying to learn those new stuff just uh, for the particular exams? For virtualization in particular, it was 95% college and 5% my own. Repetition. Repetition, basically. Uh, mainly, as I said, because we worked on other platforms as well. And in order to pass a Red Hat exam, you not only need to understand the exam topic, you need to understand it in a context of an 
infrastructure. It's not a standalone technology that exists for itself. It's a technology that is supposed to support some part of someone's business. And we talked about that sort of system design stuff a lot. Mm -hmm. So the, the impact is obviously huge. Okay. Carlo? Uh, on the topic of how hard the exams are, Red Hat, uh, I like to call it a curveball. So if you prepare perfectly for the exam, you'll know just enough to pass it. But if you don't prepare perfectly, uh, you're probably going to fail because a percentage of questions is uh, inserted into the exam that's, let's say, who wants to know more, you know, on the topics, who wants to know more, yeah. And uh, on the topic of how well did you prepare us with uh, the, the programs at Algebra, uh, for RHCA say basically everything, I think I just went through the course just to freshen up a bit, but all of the topics were covered in the courses at Algebra. And uh, virtualization also, it's just uh, getting to know the menu, you know, from Red Hat. So, yeah, pretty, pretty good. Okay, so, just to just interrupt you there, uh, KDA or GNOME? Well, actually, <laughs> I use Windows 11 as my base OS and... Uh, we can me too, me too, it. me too. Yeah, but I don't have an opinion on uh, KDA versus GNOME because I never used Linux with a desktop. I mean, like a desktop interface. Let's, so I, let's, let's go back to that topic a little bit later. I, 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 I'm going to pull, pull it down. Is this the year of the Linux desktop? Yeah, oh. I really hope so. No, no, I don't. No, uh, maybe. <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, so skeptics all around. What time not to answer to that question, right? You already answered it a couple of times. No. I called it last year. It didn't happen. I'm calling it this year. Yeah. Let's see what will happen. But. Uh, Not Linux on desktop. Okay. Uh, additional question related to this. Basically, one of the one of the things that we did here uh, as a part of your studies is that we uh, inserted into our college program a program from Red Hat called Red Hat Academy. We became Academy member for Red Hat there, and partially the materials that uh, we were able to use and provide for you f uh, from that. Uh, from that platform helped you in at least some some of the basic exams. So Red Hat Certified System Administrator and uh, Engineer part. And a little bit later um, uh, when, uh, because Mate and Carlo are, are our graduate students, they also had a, another course that where they could take advantage of the materials of the Red Hat Academy. How do you like that uh, that approach? I mean, combining basically college education with uh, some kind of academic program, which provides you access to all of the necessary materials so that you can prepare for the exam. I mean, that was a huge blessing for us, really, because we had access to a lot of information, really. There's so much information on Red Hat Academy, you can't possibly ingest all of it. But these parts that we were interested in were fully available, we could use the labs, which are amazing. So yeah, that, that part was extremely helpful. Whether or not it should become bigger or make a bigger portion of our college studies, that's for someone else to decide. I'm not into that, but I definitely liked that part.
Hmm. I can actually add something to that because people from Red Hat are aware that we are doing the podcast today. They actually promoted us as well on there, both the, um, let's say, education website uh, on the uh, trainer forum, uh, also on their website related to certification and career building opportunities as well. Uh, I had a recent discussion with them uh, to add a, dish, a couple of additional courses that they have already on the stack to Red Hat Academy. And my first pick was virtualization because uh, A, it's very easy exam to do. It's literally probably the easiest exam that they have in the stack. And second thing is it's very difficult to set it up in local environments uh, and difficult to kind of like get the message of, of that course, which is followed by the exam to the students because you need to have an environment in which that works. And it's really difficult to do that in our environment, in our labs, which we do here. So that's, that was my first thing that I asked them. I also asked them to add security course uh, into the Red Hat Academy because there are uh, a lot of people who are all, all around the world uh, teaching Red Hat Academy programs. All of them are in agreement that this is something that's sorely missing, not only as a topic, that much is obvious. Security is very deeply inserted into our lives in IT nowadays. It's also something that needs to be put in focus for future generations. Very important topic to cover. Okay. So what's next? Well, we have a lot of additional topics to cover. Actually, in all honesty, let, and let's, let's put that out there so that the people know it. The Red Hat Academy program helped them uh, at the beginning of their journey when they were uh, still doing the uh, Red Hat Certified Engineer and System Administrator exam. And one of our courses helped them for the virtualization exam, but everything else they basically did themselves. And this is something that I would really like to talk about because the spotlight of this podcast is not necessarily us promoting algebra. This is just a, like a side effect of, of things. It's not the primary content. I want to kind of like get into the discussion with you about what were your ideas behind pursuing Red Hat uh, architect level, because those um, uh, let's forget for a second the fact that you worked for IBM and let's let's forget for a second that Red Hat certification was let's say free for you in a sense and a lot of the materials leave that on the side for a second because that's actually um, the result of a good opportunity that you guys took so it was your career choice that made that available for you via confluence of different circumstances but you initiated those circumstances by by the you know working for uh, or with ibm doesn't really matter so uh, and those the courses that prepare you for uh, red hat architect level are insanely expensive and the exams are also quite a big cost for a non-ibm red hat employee which is uh, one of the reasons why not a lot of poor people go that way but let's leave that for a second out of the discussion i want i'm asking you as regular people in the it business what drove you towards the idea of uh, uh, pursuing that as a career goal well for me it was a combination of a couple of different things first and foremost i guess passion passion for for it passion for this work passion for this industry that i more or less inherited from you, both of you, and the rest of your crew. Um, second, it was partially because of spite, because I know that neither of you ever achieved an architect status. 
Okay. And it's, you know, the, the student becomes better than the professor. And we like you all for that because <laughs> I, have, as, I have no gripes with that. Yeah, we uh, one of the things that you need to uh, get rid yourself of if you become an educator. One of the first things is you have to get rid of ego. And um, I just feel immense proud, like the immense amount of proud that you achieve this. No jealousy whatsoever. I want you to become better than me and my, myself and Yasmin at everything in life. And that means that our that means that we um, uh, did our job right. At least partially. And this, this is the reason why we created a live stream and then uh, invited you all guys here. This is not because of the ego. Um, we are trying to promote education. What is motivating me here is not the money, is not the time I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to spend here. It is just the ability to talk to you guys and to say, okay, what motivated these people to become one of the chosen one, chosen ones, one of the few selected ones who selected themselves. This is not a laughable topic. I, talk, I talked to Carlo yesterday about this. He was laughing as well, but it's not a laughable topic. Yeah, this, it's, it's, this is serious business. Now, the, the problem is that uh, becoming a architect, architect is complicated. It's difficult. You know, you know that you, it, uh, you did it uh, because of spite. This is completely okay, because I know you are the Windows guy, and then you took the uh, the right road. Yeah. Uh, We're gonna come back to that later. Yeah. And the other thing is that you can always do the brain dumps uh, when it comes to other exams. So this is an immensely complicated road that you took. Uh, I always think about what motivates you: tinkering, uh, wanting to know more, uh, trying to understand uh, what is your chosen uh, Linux distribution. Arch, of course. Uh, okay, one of those guys. So, Luca, <laughs> let's talk about you. Mm -hmm. Let's ignore the Arch guys uh, for a second. Um, As per usual. As yes. per usual, yes. <laughs> he will recompile and then he'll, he'll, come, he'll come back. Um, yeah, we'll give you some compile time. Yes. Um, <laughs> the problem is that uh, the problem is that motivation is something that you need to have. What was your motivation? Uh, well. Actually, it was pretty much being interested in uh, automation at first, because with RHCSA, I wanted to go to RH, RHCE. And back then, I thought that that would probably be my last ever certificate. I okay. just have a tool and I wanted to learn automation. And I know it was about Ansible. So I took that and I don't know, like after that, uh, the other certificates also seemed achievable. And plus, of course, I wouldn't be able to do it if I didn't find it interesting. So it was, you know, curiosity and uh, wanting to do something more than that, which I've been doing back then for the last two and a half years, which was pretty much, you know, classic, like sysadmining, uh, taking care of tickets, putting down fires, if you will. I wanted to have knowledge where I can actually uh, contribute to system designing and stuff like that. Okay, so growth. Yeah. Just trying to be better. Carlo? Yeah, definitely curiosity. Without it, I wouldn't have done it. And uh, I like to win at stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's basically it. But uh, one important thing to say is that if, uh, if I actually hadn't enrolled into algebra this wouldn't have been possible and especially you veteran you actually pushed uh, mate me and some some other guys that are uh, not here with us 
but uh, you pushed us into RHCSA, and uh, we, I think, we resisted uh, initially. You did. We resisted initially, but uh, that single push from you was the reason uh, I got in, into into IBM. The guy that hired me told me, "Hey, I was just." I had two guys, it was you or the other guy, and the other guy actually knew more than you, but you had RHCSA and the client mandated that uh, all employees be certified. And yeah, basically, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah My one, pleasure. one thing led to another, and yeah, here we are. Yeah, yeah so let's, let's yeah, now... I, I just wanted to circle back to something that Mate said, because I like it so much. Because he's so, so much like me when I was his age. Do you know the reason why I attended Red Hat certification out of spite? Mm. Because uh, the company that I, that I worked for back then, uh, which was an IT magazine, had a, uh, had a marketing contract with a company that delivered Red Hat training. Uh, and that company, uh, at least on paper, was, uh, you know, owed us, I don't know, 20,000 euros in today's money. And I asked the company owner to send me to Red Hat certification. He said no. I asked why. He said, well, because. And I said, okay. Next day, a couple of phone calls, called my dad, said, your next task is to enroll me in Red Hat certification. Go fetch. And uh, he called me three hours later and said, I paid for it. Go. Uh, exactly out of spite. And exactly the same reasons. Uh, our, our journeys are much more similar than what you think, generally speaking. But yeah. Okay, so people learning Linux out of spite, people learning Linux to tinker. Uh, That's you. Let's now, let's now, uh, let's switch, let's switch topics uh, because I don't like this uh, trying to put you guys. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I don't like the putting you guys in front of the firing squad because we are not here to just say, okay, you and you and you. Uh, let's talk about uh, tools. Is Linux a better tool than Windows? Depends entirely depends on the use case i mean uh, this is what i was hoping the, for the 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 tool is um depends what you, what you want to achieve you know there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution for problems so do you think that people who uh, who come to this uh, level of knowledge uh, start to understand that basically we don't care which operating system you're using yeah basically i don't i really don't care what you use as long as you solve problems that we have to solve you know did you get did do you understand the ethos of what we were trying to teach you from that yeah. respect uh, because i explicitly told you when we met on second year of your uh, college uh, you know program that you shouldn't care which operating system it is you should just know how to use it that's it. That's the reason why we have parallel programs in uh, Linux and Windows and VMware and everything else, because you need to know it all. That's it. And did you come with a, with a pre a preconception about which operating system is better uh, when you enrolled here? I'm talking about the first year, uh, start of the first, second year, probably, because this is probably the first time you actually saw Linux uh, shown in uh, educational fashion, so trying to uh, being uh, trying to be systemized, uh, trying to be uh, done in systematical way, so that you can actually learn something about Linux. So, what is the preconception? Which is the better operating system? Uh, I mean, when I enrolled here, I already had like three years of Linux experience. Yeah, I didn't... you're the exception to the rule. But yeah. Those two are different. Yeah, but uh, I didn't have like any experience of Windows administration even back from my previous college. 
but jumping to Windows administration after doing Linux administration, everything seemed, I don't know, like second nature. It was easy to pick up things coming from Linux to Windows. Ooh, that's yeah, exactly the story that yeah. Yasmin and myself went through as well. I had no prior experience with administering anything before I came here. So it was, I guess, bad luck that I first caught, the first thing that caught my eye was PowerShell. And I, it made me fall in love with this entire ecosystem. And I said, yes, this is the way to go. Right click properties solves everything. Yes, that it, that's it. I don't want to edit silly configuration files that makes no sense. But I don't know, something happened. Something and happened. Flip switched. Yeah, there, go ahead. I know you want to talk about it. I know I do. What happened? What happened is you had, you had a lecture, first of all. Damn it. You had a lecture that was supposed to be for one purpose. It had obviously its curriculum. It was supposed to cover a topic. I think specifically in Windows administration doesn't really matter, but then it turned around. It happens. It happens a lot. Yeah, ten tangents are something that we do well. Yes, and what happened is the topic of our of our lecture turned around towards me, mm -hmm. and specifically it turned around towards my decisions that at the time being extra young, I had no idea had so much implication on other people as well around me. What I did is I basically undervalued myself. I undervalued this industry. I undervalued all of my colleagues. I undervalued your work that you did with us by accepting, by accepting a position that simply didn't didn't do that, didn't value my, myself enough. No, and I remember the incident. We were uh, calling you out uh, every single week yes. uh, because you actually took a position in order to buy a mobile phone, if I'm correct. Yes, I still yeah, so have okay, a phone. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> just it, recounting this. It was, it was a huge crush, huge slap to my ego, which has always been huge. <laughs> and doing that in front of like 20 something people really in influenced me, but in a good way in the end. As, I, it, as it was meant. I, I will take some credit that I realized this wasn't an attack on me directly. It wasn't about what I represent or what I am going to be one day, but rather an attack on my decisions right now. And that if I don't make a change at this moment and start valuing myself enough, I'm going to end up like 95% of people unhappy with my results. And thank God I, I did something about it. <laughs> and today it's a whole different story. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that very well because yes, I made you, to, to, to pardon the pun, I made you the ass of some IT jokes. And I'm very proud of doing that, especially afterwards and more than once and in private as well and in our chats because uh, I think we all agree that he had it coming. Oh yeah, definitely. He yes. deserved it because um, he, everything he said was correct. I would add something else. Um, the, the problem with the, with the approach that you, you young people sometimes take is the fact that you don't understand your surroundings.
and you don't understand what happens when one of you makes something does, does something and then the second one repeats that and the third one and the fourth one and the fifth one all of a sudden it's a crowd and all of a sudden it's a standard it's not about uh, the standard itself being wrong you're allowed to make mistakes in life that's not the topic the topic is that that sends the wrong sig uh, signal to the market and i always tried to consciously make you aware that decisions that you make in those regards have repercussions on people that are coming after you and after you and after you every single year and it's a huge problem that always needed to be solved and at that point in time i uh, i was very proud of the fact that you understood that it's not about you it's about the algorithm that you had in your head which needed a baseball bat against it which is what i did for you and that's what we tend to do to our students as well. But actually, it was a continuation of some things that already happened previously, because uh, it was not one job that happened. We had, uh, I think with, with you as well, partially, Carlo, we had our give and take during the lectures because you were always acting a little bit of smart assy. And I appreciate that. I encourage that actually as well. I always uh, said that uh, because before I enrolled here, I only knew him from the job we were working. And, uh, and I always thought before enrolling that you guys here only taught hubris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had, a, you had a marketing term for that, algebra hubris. Yeah. Yeah, I heard you say yeah. that more than once. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> it's not hubris. I think you are aware of what it is right now and uh, actually um, uh, I, I could kind of like act as a proxy for Yasmin as well to say something that seems completely stupid to say it in such a way but still deserves to be said it's about uh, the, the the way in which we approach education makes us happy yes and that's okay. our little selfish goal I'm sorry I'm sorry for coughing because um, I do have a sore throat today yeah I know. I am completely dependent on uh, on uh, swallowing tablets uh, during the during the chat. But uh, even with that, this makes me immensely proud because um, this is something that you actually strive to achieve. I have three guys that are better than me right now on the on the paper. So uh, you are better than me in certification side, and this motivates me. So this is completely fine with me. Uh, what I'm going to jump to is uh, I want to uh, use one of the questions from the from the chat uh, on the YouTube uh, because this is an immensely uh, important question. How do you uh, define the optimal balance between the learning, working, and trying to certify yourself? Because you were trying to do all three of those, and then at the same time you actually had your own life. Probably you have to you. Yeah, let Lucas speak. Um, I mean, you have to you have to like learning new stuff. There's no other way around it. If you want to do it by force and just you know stuff stuff things up your head, I mean, you're not gonna have a good time and you probably won't pass the certificate. So your after work studies should be done because you want to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have like friends and colleagues, like we do. Uh, to make things easier that's also a plus so you know like if anybody has somebody like that uh, that shares like the same duties for certifications for example from either that being the 
in in a company or here in college, you know, I would suggest always try to form uh, like a study group, and you know, just just do it until you do it. Kind of, it's not actually a study group. You you ha you have to surround yourself with similar people like you. You know, uh, if you like what you do, try to find similar people. Don't uh, well, don't essentially waste your time with people that are not interested in the same things you are because if you're in a passionate group and you all have a same or a similar goal it's going to be a lot easier because um, people are going to help you out for example all of the RCE and all of five certificates yeah. after that Luca and I studied together yeah. for like 400 hours or yeah. even more and you know when you when you have a partner that you can rely on and that he, he he's gonna push you and you're gonna push him you know you're gonna say okay i can do it today i i don't know i i'm not don't feel like it i don't feel like it i have to go somewhere he says hey man we <laughs> have to we, we we have to do it you know, you know one thing to add here one of the most fundamental things that we've heard throughout this conversation and you just confirmed it yet again i heard it actually as an underlying thing three or four times already. One of the famous quotes that your, uh, or our, or their, or worldwide guru called Linus Torvalds has about general approach to life, not only education, is those who can, do. Those who can't, complain. That's exactly what you were just discussing. Yeah. I don't feel like it, I'm tired, I want to drink some beer, I want to go out, I want to do this, I want to do that. It's a perfect metaphor of what a lot of people are doing, basically while searching for some kind of a goal, higher goal, whatever it is, certification, exam, knowledge, books, whatever it is, and which is exactly the reason why uh, I, uh, so, um, I put so much onus on the, on the word discipline. No discipline, no results. Be very straightforward. Um, I want to go back to that question. Uh, so this doesn't mean that we didn't like have any life, uh, like except for the job, the certifications for the college. Like for example, I'm into rowing and I go like I row, I go to the gym, I play video games when I can, not as much as I used to, of course, but you know, I can still have fun and I don't feel like I've been, you know, whipped until my back cracked to get these certificates. It was, I don't know, it's, it was easy to consume. Okay, okay, to be on the lighter side, uh, Kubernetes is sort of a video game. It can be considered an adventure with open, uh, open terrain and uh, completely open quests. Yeah, I've shared on the Discord, like somebody made a Minecraft mode where you can actually do basic Kubernetes administration while playing Minecraft. Is it better than the GUI? Uh, I mean, it's full GUI. <laughs> no, it's better than the official GUI. I, I haven't seen the official GUI yet. Ah, okay. No, so, good for so, you. <laughs> yes, this, this, this is why I'm asking. Um, so, were there any uh, points in time when you said to yourself, okay, I cannot do this? Uh, uh, how to, how to, what is your recipe, let's see, Mate, what is your recipe to overcome the point when you say, okay, I have enough of this, uh, this is my, I don't know, third exam that I need to pass, two more of this I cannot stand. So how do you overcome this uh, thing in education when you're oversaturated with uh, information, when you have to motivate yourself 
because nobody else can. You have to realize how fortunate you are to even have this opportunity. You have to realize that there are two other guys who will probably do it before you, <laughs> which really like hurts a lot. And there are multiple people. It's because these of the these are the guys that are going to be before you, or there are some other. Yeah, they guys. passed RCA a couple of months before he did. It's an internal competition. You okay, know? but yeah, it's they're, positive. They are driving who, themselves who forward. Who won? I think I was the first, okay. but Luca won. Like the, the next day, I think. It's, yeah. it's not that you're counting, but you're the first. Yeah, but Luca has actually, he's a level two architect, yeah. so he has even more. He has like ah, okay, okay, okay. So, okay. so back to Mate. Back to Mate, yeah. And that's, also, why, that's why he's on layer two support. Nah. <laughs> and, uh, Just kidding. Alongside having seven Red Hat certifications, I also have one Microsoft certification, which they don't. So that's uh, my internal so win. this is interdisciplinary. That's uh, my double win. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. Oh, we need to go back to that. What about ETIL? I also have ETIL, yes, version 4, foundations. And ECDL? No, I don't have ECDL. Okay, so you don't know how to write in Microsoft Word. I do not. You, okay. need, you need to finish this. Cool. As if you do. <laughs> but I'm, I'm uh, ECDL certified. Are you? Yes. That means you know Excel? No. Okay. No, nobody knows Excel. Uh -huh. But he says that I'm Excel manager. Yes. Uh, so, um, about the certification, uh, what do you say to people who say that uh, certification is just trying to uh, collect the cards? Because there are people who think that uh, being certified or being having multiple certifications at the same time is just a way of you trying to uh, collect different certification without any actual use or you know, without an actual uh, uh, result. This is, the, this is the thing that always bothers me because people who say that don't understand how much time do you need to spend. And don't, they don't see the point of all, the, all of this. What do you say to those people, Carlo? We actually had an internal joke at some point. Uh, we were joking like, okay, uh, we're basically collecting NFT art, you know, badges that you can show off. And still no swag from Red Hat. Yeah, and still no swag from Red Hat. Um, yeah. Um, uh, what? Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, what do I say to those people? Well, um, yeah. Um, let, let me let me actually think about it because you know I like when things are measurable and how are you gonna measure progress if you don't have a milestone to verify that you've come to the destination so let's say um, you have to learn a new skill for your job or out of curiosity how will you measure that you've arrived at the destination well it's an exam and you get certified for the thing you learned that's basically it you know so if somebody says it's collecting cards, I mean, sure it is, but I've learned a ton of stuff while I was collecting them, so... From my point of view, I think, uh, like, definitely it's some sort of competition. I mean, it's whatever, really, but let's say it's competition where you, like, collect cards. And I think it probably comes to that because, like I said before, I played, like, amateurish esports. So I don't know, I feel kind of competitive about it. But uh, other than that, when it comes to the education itself, like before I took my first like system administrator certificate, uh, I used to read like Linux Bible and Linux for dummies. Uh, that's how I consumed like, you know, like knowledge about Linux and that's all fine and dandy. But like he said, like there needs to be some sort of goal. Like I can, I can read those books 
but at the end I want, I want to have something a bit more tangible and certifications are a nice way for the vendors to distill a knowledge about their technology provide it to you and like say hey this is like something that we think an engineer that's using our, our technology should know and after that you have a sufficient enough knowledge to if you find any gaps in your knowledge you can easily google it because you know what questions to ask so basically what you're talking about is that you are self-validating uh, through the exams yeah, that's, that's the word, but yeah. it's self-validating. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, Luca used the perfect metaphor, actually, what for something that I told you, but later uh, in our, let's say, uh, so-called uh, relationship, to, like student-teacher, which is that uh, learning about things can be directly linked to sport. It's a perfect metaphor. Because sport teaches you a couple of things that uh, you will value later in life immeasurably. It teaches you how to play by the rules. It teaches you how to win. It teaches you how to lose. And it teaches you how to never give up. Uh, if your end goal is to become good at something, of course. Which n not a lot of people do when they are into sports, which is also okay. And I'm not saying that they're a better person or not as good a person because of that, but the sport itself is a perfect metaphor for this because basically you guys are playing your sport between the three of you. And the sport is who, uh, who gets the certification first or something like that, which is perfect. Why, why the hell not? It's a case of healthy competition, I guess. Yes. Yeah. How to drive yourself forward. That's always a good, uh, good competition. Okay, I'm going to use one more question from the from the comments. Uh, how do you start? Uh, you had from what I saw uh, and what I heard, uh, you said that basically your start was uh, algebra and the thing that we did here. But uh, if you are unable to go to algebra and meet the nice people here like uh, Vedran and me, uh, what do you think, what is the best way to start when you need to uh, make yourself learn new things? How do you avoid uh, getting a job, getting stuck at a job, getting nowhere, and then basically iterating this for 30 years? Where do you start? YouTube, plural site, CBT nuggets, uh, do whatever. I Just start somewhere, anything. Yeah. Install Linux if you're into Red Hat. Install Linux on your machine. See how it feels. See when you first need to zip a file that it's somewhat a more complicated process than zipping a file on Windows. And you'll see why, why it is like that. Um, I think like, for example, these two guys over here, they had a much different start to their careers than I did since they had uh, a much more better knowledge uh, of Linux when they started working than I did back when you know, I was in the Polytechnic school. Uh, to get started, you know, uh, try to find like a really entry level, like any sort of sysadmin job, for example, in Linux, it won't pay good, but you'll get some practical knowledge out of it and be on the hunt uh, for books on Humble Bundle. There are tons of books on Humble Bundle, like every month there's a new bundle of books for programming, system, system administration, which I myself bought and which helped me improve my career and my knowledge in Linux. That's a, that, that's a nice, nice, nice thing. Humble Bundle is, a, is a, one of the good uh, sources of material that is structured and at the same time cheap. Yeah. Uh, Carlo? 
Well, obviously, you have to be curious, and uh, I would say you have to challenge yourself with the difficult problems. Don't try to find an easy way out, because if you always are trying to find an easy way out, you're never going to have to go through the process. Yeah, that's basically it. A little bit of pain goes a long way. Yeah, a little bit of pain goes a long way. So challenge yourself, you know. Mm. Okay. What do you think uh, in terms of, let's say, the stuff that you're going to do in the future, for example? How are you approaching the topic of, okay, I've done one part of my life, I've changed, switched a couple of jobs, I attended and achieved uh, the skill set of a Red Hat Certified Architect, now what's next? Specifically for me? Everybody. <laughs> uh, it's a switch to something that's complementary to what I already know specifically cloud I you know my passion about cloud mm -hmm. more than anyone else I preach about it all the time because I really like it because it really is a huge playground for everything I like for Linux and mostly for automation um, I think yeah cloud providers are the next step for me mm -hmm. okay we, so basically we, we have an internal plan for that already Yes, uh, okay, but uh, basically the cloud is uh, there because of the automation or do you think that cloud can actually be uh, useful to uh, companies that are, that are using it? Cloud can definitely be beneficial to your business, but be careful. It, this it, is the but I was waiting for. It's extremely easy to spend a lot of money really fast. You say no, no, the numbers are insane in the cloud business. But uh, let's say, let's say, uh, let's now uh, uh, quickly switch away from certification as itself. Uh, how do you see the future of the IT? Uh, when we come to, uh, when we uh, talk about and think about operating systems, do you see that Linux as such has influenced the Windows in such a way that they're going to combine together into something that's going to be more or less uh, quite the same uh, and it is, be, it is going to become a desktop or the desktop and then we are going to switch over to using servers on the Linux and uh, desktops on whatever this operating system is going to be because we have seen desktops like uh, Chrome OS uh, that are Linux based that are trying to create such a hybrid uh, solution which basically means that you're going to have a small amount of uh, processing power on your side and then you're going to have a lot of power on the cloud side. What do you see the future is? Uh, what do you think the future is? I think that's the future solution for business, business studies and business things, business environments. I think as long as uh, compliance allows it, you will have some sort of a thin client that may or may not look like a laptop, which has just a network connection and enough to enough processing power to establish it. And things will probably run mostly in the cloud. You do understand that that's a usage model which we recycled 20 times already. This is this is the, the real one. It'll work this time. <laughs> so this because you want it so. Yeah, I really do. Linux desktop and this is going to work. No. Okay. 
So you're basically saying that Microsoft with the virtual PC is uh, virtual PC in the cloud is something that is going to win in the end. I hope so. I don't think it will. I hope so. Okay. Okay. You guys? No. I mean, any projections? It's really hard to say. Like, who knows? Like, for example, I think uh, the IT industry, like like a month or so ago, looked at pretty much uh, hard market contraction until OpenAI came out with ChatGPT. Then it started booming again. So who knows? But I definitely think like some sort of AI integrated into operating systems, it will be much more than Siri or Cortana is. Uh, and uh, other than that, I don't think uh, I don't think it will all be cloud-based because of entertainment purposes, like you know, playing video games and such. It's going to be a huge latency for the average consumer and for competitive gaming, for example, that everything should be cloud-based. So, I, some things will be more in the cloud. But I don't think everything will be in the cloud. Okay, but uh, I see, I see, and think that uh, gaming, and especially competitive gaming, is more of an edge case, because yes. because for the most part, uh, gamers are not the crowd that is going to be in any way or form connected to the cloud. Okay. They they need their own dedicated machines. That they, they need a specific a specific hardware and so on. But I don't see gaming becoming some something that is uh, going to drive the, the, drive the things forward uh, that's just me i mean sure like that's uh, also a valid point but you know like uh, coming back 20 years ago when i was like in my infancy of gaming gaming wasn't cool back then it became cool like 10 years ago and it's only like evolving and more and more people are playing it. I think. Boy, like, are you wrong? You think? I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was playing at uh, Spectrum, and uh, back then was the gaming was cool. So I mean, I'm looking at my generation. Like back when I was playing video games, that's much better. Back when I was playing video games, everybody thought I was a nerd for playing video games. People didn't really like video games as much as I did. But in all due respect, I think that people who play games are usually marked as nerds. No. Uh, I don't think that being marked as nerd is a, is a, a bad thing, a bad thing because uh, all, of the, all of us here are in a special way nerds. And I think this is something that is not negative. But games are such, are games. So I don't think they're going to influence the future. Carlo, I want, I want to see your input because you said that you wanted to be a philosopher. Yeah. So I think that you have probably a different uh, outlook than, than the rest of us. Probably. I yeah, I don't know. Uh, but I wouldn't want things to converge in the sense of Microsoft desktop and, for example, Linux desktop. I, would, I wouldn't want things to converge because I think that stifles innovation, first and foremost. And on the topic of uh, what will happen in IT in the future, I think that uh, AI will play a big role in the sense of virtual assistance. You know, you could always have an earpiece in your in your uh, in your ear, and you could talk to the machine, and it would be very uh, it would be a very human experience, and you could you could actually do a lot more things, interact in a special kind of way with your environment, even with let's say augmented reality, you know, imagine, imagine uh, the capabilities. So yeah, that's, that's basically it. I wouldn't want c c converging. That's, uh, that's bad. 
in my opinion. We had a couple of questions in the chat I want to share with you, actually. One of them is, uh, I answered for you, but I want you to answer that yourself. Do you see yourselves as lecturers one day? Ooh, that's a hard one, to I be mean, honest. I mean, like back before, I, I, do, I did have some like mentoring experiences of onboarding new people on the, uh, for the job. But yeah, it's too early to say, I think, because I still want to, you know, expand my practical knowledge. Okay. Yeah, um, maybe one day when I'm like 50, because um, I think I need a lot more experience before I start educating someone. I mean, I can talk about some topics, but I just, I need more experience in the industry. So I would love to. I, I love that kind of attention. <laughs> and I think whether or not I would be good at it is a different topic. That's for someone else to decide. But I would love to, whether or not I'm ready for it as well. I don't know, but I guess I would have to try in order to know. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Uh, because I had some conversation with Carlo as well on the on the topic. It, it seems that he changed yeah, his changed, opinion. Yeah, it changed my mind because um, I saw my current trajectory in the industry and it's moving much, much faster than, uh, for example, if I went into education now and the, I don't know, let's say the cost benefit of spending my time on doing education stuff isn't worth it, you know. Just one uh, point here. Uh, do you think that certification changed the speed of your trajectory? You just mentioned that your trajectory is going up uh, much faster. Exactly what I wanted to ask. Did this change with the certification or did it change when you had to learn for the certification? So I'm talking about formal and informal knowledge. Yeah, it, it actually changed um, not obtaining the certification essentially from only people that care are the people that know what is it about. But uh, my, let's say, process changed, you know, the way I acquire new knowledge changed, the way I learn things changed. And I've, I've seen that I've, I'm capable of so much more. And, and I, as, as the certificates came to an end, you know, the last one or two, I actually developed a process in which I can cram a lot of knowledge in the least amount of time. And if I keep, uh, you know, doing rinse and repeat, you know, anything can happen. Okay. I wanted to add something to that, uh, actually, because this is the topic that we covered on some of the classes in the undergrad program. Do you now understand, all three of you, what's the value of what I called the algorithm? Yeah, the process. You you have to develop develop your own process for whatever you're doing. You know. Yeah, because uh, doing stuff in that way, when you figure out the way in which success comes to you, of course, as a result of you investing time, money, energy, and all of that, that's that's a, a repeatable offense. Yeah. Metaphorically speaking, because you can just rinse and repeat, and almost always expect the same result being success. Yeah, but I want to, I want to uh, interrupt you because Luca wanted to say something and I see that he's eager. Yeah, like uh, I'm coming from a bit of a different background than you did. Like the question was like how did the certificates, you know? Yes. Uh, well, in my opinion, I think it helped me quite a lot with my career since 
if you look at my CV, you can say that I'm a bit of a job hopper. Uh, but you know, uh, we, I mean, that helped me pretty much to get the get the chance to actually talk with some of the companies to which I applied. Because uh, if if we remove the certificates from my current CV and if I applied somewhere, I'm not a very attractive candidate. Yeah, it's good that you are aware of that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, semi attacking the topic uh, critically mm -hmm. because it it is critical that you find a place for yourself, but then stick with it for a longer period of time if you want to really develop. Yeah, but uh, in my opinion, all of the places I left, I felt like I didn't, I couldn't develop the way I wanted to, but like currently in Deutsche Telekom, it seems actually pretty good. Excellent. I mean, just say one thing, uh, when you uh, touch the point of uh, CVs and uh, certificates, uh, when it comes to CVs, a lot of people tend to stretch the truth, but let, let's call it that. <laughs> and the problem is that uh, when I need to interview somebody for the position, when I see a certificate, I always usually think about how much time did, did you need to spend to uh, attain a certain certificate and are there any shortcuts? So for example, if I see a uh, typical Red Hat exam, I know that the shortcuts are basically just, uh, could just be the way that uh, you needed to uh, make yourself learn faster. But you needed to actually get the knowledge. So for me, when somebody has a Red Hat certificate, uh, what is actually happening is that I know that I don't need to talk about uh, a lot of the stuff because I know that you know what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. I can just consider you as you. And this is something what, what I like about Red Hat. It's not just because we are talking about Red Hat today. It is something that I like about Red Hat as a whole. So when it comes to all the other certificates, because for all the other certificates, I know that there are some shortcuts that you can take and uh, make your exams easier to pass with uh, less knowledge than I would expect from somebody uh, who attained the certificate. And for Red Hat, I know that this, these are the practical exams administered uh, objectively or as objectively as possible. So I know what to expect. And ironically, when I see somebody who has passed something related uh, uh, based, I am not go even going to talk about this because I know what they know. I know what the exam looks like. I know what they had to learn. I know how they had to learn it. So I'm not interested in it because this is something. So this is not what makes you uh, 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 interesting to people. It creates an aura around you as a person who knows what he's trying to do. And this is why I like a certification. And this is something I just wanted to say, because it's not directly connected yeah, yeah. to you. It's connected to the CVs. You wanted to add something? Yes. The path I took in certification was strictly the DevOps path of Red Hat. So containers, OpenShift, con Kubernetes, things and like simple. that. Yeah. Uh, my current position has nothing to do with Kubernetes, nothing to do with OpenShift. However, that didn't stop my now team lead, then recruiter, to still accept me uh, based on the fact that I, by having, I think, six certifications at the time, showed at least some level of drive, at least some level of self-discipline, at least some level of uh, feeling that I need to go forward, which is, I guess, applicable to every every team in every company everywhere in the world. In the mm -hmm. world. 
Okay, question from the chat, actually. Uh, one of your colleagues uh, asked that afterwards, I'm going to still repeat it. How much of the stuff that you learn on certification do you find will be applicable to your jobs uh, versus how many things that you learn in projects on your jobs and then try to put projects that you did here as a part of the discussion, if you can. You don't have to have, you cannot have an exact number. It's impossible, but kind of like if you have a feeling about how one ver first versus second versus third work. Um, when it comes to the knowledge of certificates and applies to work, I, I would say at best like 50%. Okay. Right? But that doesn't mean the certificates are useless because uh, all of the technology that we've covered in our certificates, uh, it's in some ways like either loosely connected to other technologies. It's really similar. You really do not have to defend that. Yeah. We all know it. Yeah, it's really similar. So it's easy, you know, like the more we learn about this, the more, the more certificates we get and the more stuff we learn, the easier it will be to get more certificates further down the road because it's just, uh, it, everything's really similarly built. I have a small gripe. I have a small gripe. Uh, I will just say this. Let's for a second pretend that uh, we need to talk about the knowledge. I don't like the term certificates for the knowledge because what you're actually talking about is the knowledge and uh, different uh, technologies that you have understood more or less, you need more, uh, probably more experience in them, but you need uh, something. Certificates are more like milestones. Yeah. You okay. just create some sort of knowledge and the pool of knowledge, and then you say, okay, uh, I have come to a point. This point has been certified by this. Then I'm going to uh, continue. So when you said certificates are 50%, the knowledge is probably 50%, but certificates yeah. themselves are just Yeah, I agree. Thing. This is a perfect uh, metaphor, actually, these milestones or sprints, your favorite topic on the graduate uh, you know, level. Yeah, I'm being sarcastic now. Yeah, this is a very good point. I just wanted to say that. There's a, there's a process of establishing goals in project management using the SMART method, mm -hmm. which means every goal needs to be specific, mm -hmm. has to be measurable, has to be achievable, has to be realistic, and time-oriented. <laughs> Now I'm scared. And, <laughs> and certificates, oh, we are coming to a diff difficult topics now. And certificates are exactly that. Certificates are great milestones for your learning path. Nothing else. Hmm. Question in the chat, by the way. Besides school and certificates, how much do you guys value networking, socializing as means to advance in the industry? Well, Fantastic question. A lot, actually, yeah. yeah. Your friend asked that one. Yeah, well, it's, um, you know, you can, in, in every industry, you can be political, but um, I usually stray away from that. Uh, I like to be open in my communication and I like to help people solve their IT problems. You know, if you have colleagues that are stuck on some issue, offer your help. Don't be like, oh, it's his problem. Don't, I don't be an elitist or a snob or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't, don't be an elitist. So if you're a RHCA, don't pretend like you're some godly figure. You know. Oh, it's, be humble. Be yeah, humble. be be humble. Essentially, be humble and be open to to. Just just put the question out there. Do you support printers? 
No, I don't. I, I used to support printers, um, but uh, we, we what, what did we, what did we call it? Spooler duty. Uh, spo spoiler yeah, duty. Yeah. Spooler duty. Yeah. We we stopped doing that. Yeah. yeah. You want if you didn't check IT Crowd and printer episode, everything you need to know about printers. Mm. Okay. How about you guys? Networking. I don't have like any sort of like strong opinion on it. Uh, I'm I'm a really open person, so you know, like how I usually act outside of professional life is pretty much almost the same as I act uh, in the professional life. So you know, I'm just a natural guy. You know, I don't have any strong opinions about networking. If I can pitch in just a bit, we haven't actually had a big networking event. All we had yeah. is like uh, work experience in the office, you know. But actually, we're going to Amsterdam in April to KubeCon, and that will be a networking event which isn't specifically work-related. It can be like... Uh, I really like this approach to, because you are saying that KubeCon is the networking place for you. Yeah, I like it is. this very much. Yeah, it is because you, you meet people that are interested in the same things in you and you can maybe... Yeah, I mean, know. aren't all of the like conferences a networking place, a point where people come and meet each other and share ideas? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I like the fact that it's not local. Yeah. Every single position that I've had, including the one I have right now, I got through some sort of referral. <laughs> That's true. So obviously networking was detrimental for me. It was the core of every opportunity I was ever given. Yeah, yet it's still to come. Hopefully. Still to come as well. Yeah, okay. Let's see if there are any other questions there. Did any of you finally got your Red Hat Ar 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 Architect merch? That's no. from I a female it. colleague who is trolling some of you. I ordered it. They didn't even get the, the link to the <clears> store <throat> where you can like confirm your, your RHCA gift. Yeah. I did confirm. Although I, didn't, I never received like a confirmation email. So I, I don't really believe it's ever going it's to arrive. It's Red Hat, man. What do you think? But it's it's, it's in the works. It's in the, it's works. In the works. Yeah, the, 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 the tux is going to build it in text mode for the next couple of years and you're going to get it. It's but okay. I, I really like the plaque. I wanted the plaque, nothing else. Yeah, for the, uh, it was a milestone for you. It was a huge milestone. I oh, wanted the t-shirt because I hate going shopping. So please send me a t-shirt. <laughs> <Red Hat. laughs> so you come to you come to a podcast so that we can ask for additional swag. Yeah, you are my hero, man. I mean, I'd also like I'd, I'd like the whole package: the fedora, the t-shirt, and the plaque. Power to power. <laughs> it's Any... absurd that we're even discussing this. No, it's not. <laughs> well, why not? Okay. Any additional questions before we start with uh, the last part of our conversation? Do you guys have any questions? We can switch tables as well. KDE or GNOME? GNOME. GNOME. Yes. Always GNOME. But I have always, to. Always, always the most uh, vanilla. And most vanilla defaultish um, commonly used uh, interface because uh, I I honestly don't like I'm trying to avoid the word hate here I don't like uh, neither of those so um, I think that in order to keep my sanity and to be able to actually when I need to uh, approach the known desktop I need to use the most common desktop so GNOME. But not for good reasons. Why do, why Can do? I pitch in? Yeah, sure. Yeah. FVWM95. 
Of course, that's something archaic and obscure. <laughs> Not going However, to <laughs> the, the, the question was supposed to be a bit broader. Um, KDE or GNOME or XFCE, both on X and Wayland. With NVIDIA graphics cards and AMD. Yeah, I love Nouveau stuff that happens. Okay, there. okay, okay, okay. Let's let's try to unravel this thing. Uh, XFCC, if I need to choose. Because it's the most basic and I like it because it looks basic. It can be, it can be made uh, to look better, but by default it's basic and it works. NVIDIA has its own ideas about how to approach compatibility with Linux. And uh, I would... If I can pitch in that work most of the time. Yes. Unlike AMD. Yes, but the idea that I like about uh, desktops right now on Linux is that basically none of those use too many of the advanced features of the graphic cards. And I call this uh, simplicity in uh, UI a good thing because I dislike transparent windows. I dislike uh, all the... Because my first my first desktop was on the, on the deck machine so uh, something like a transparent window was, wasn't even possible i dislike uh eye candy that is covering the an inability of the uh, uh, window manager to actually do common things do you know what was our first real graphical interface that we used back in college both him and me and one of the persons in the chat Exceed. Do you know what it is? Well, I think I it rings uh, very it's well. It's basically well. basically remote X windows. Remoting X. No. Yeah, like X remoting. That's what we had in the labs. And you can do it uh, today on in any in, on any Unix distribution. It's doable. We are not sponsored. We are not sponsored by uh, anybody. But uh, when it comes to software, but I'm just going to mention the X term. Mm. On mobile Xterm, oh, which is actually able to remote yeah, the X, yes, yeah. and yeah, if like it is that. able to remote the X. You can open the you can open the windows inside it because it has an X server in, in it. I, I think we all use mobile. Yeah, we do. Yeah, so I have a strong, out. very firmly put matrix for determining your uh, desktop environment. Okay, AMD plus X is KDE. Okay. AMD plus Wayland is XFCE in case you need VNC. Okay. If you don't, then you can go with GNOME with a lot of like specialization and personalization. Question, professor. Yes. What if you need TeamViewer? <laughs> then you probably own a desktop or Windows PC because you have a lot of money. <laughs> so you don't need these. You know why I'm asking. I do. I have to troll you a little bit. If you're on NVIDIA, stay away from Wayland altogether, mm -hmm. use X and use KDE. And in case of using Intel integrated graphics, uh, Pray the Lord my soul to keep. don't use the desktop environment at all. Mm -hmm. Go with a window manager, uh, something alongside uh, BSP, WM or DWM. Okay, this is pretty specific, but okay, okay, I'm with you. 
I'm with you. I would need uh, your table on the paper, piece of paper on an Excel or in a whatever sheet, but I'm with you. I see that you did your homework on the compiling and uh, retesting useless stuff that nobody wants to know about. <laughs> I, I have my, my mileage in this. And this is a matrix that it, it, I didn't make up the rules. They they write themselves. Oh, okay, 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 okay. As a, as a result of a practical experience. Yes. Yeah. So whatever it takes, basically. Basically. Okay. Okay. Any other questions? Oof, I don't have anything currently popping okay. to my mind. No, I'm good. You're good. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, we're going to slowly, uh, you know, wrap it, up. wrap it up. Before we do, I want to share some information with you that you might find to be stupid uninteresting boring idiotic and humorous at the same time thank you no problem i'm good at that um, this is a so i have a very very um, reasonable predisposition why i want to discuss this with you because we had numerous discussions as a part of your uh, let's say staying here at algebra over the past whatever years we had discussions about topics that uh, you mastered. We had discussions about topics that you didn't master. We had discussions about everything in between. And I remember some of our first um, disagreements when we started discussing certain topics that we teach here. Specifically, this was something that I discussed with Carlo a lot uh, years ago. This is for first time not putting Mate on the spot or Luca. Luca to be to to come in the future. That's a <laughs> future dis discussion. And uh, at a certain point in time, uh, I uh, made Carlos' life a little bit difficult in one of the in one of the, one situations involving his graduate thesis and some of the questions that I asked him, because I did it on purpose because he did something that you should never do uh, in front of us. If you remember the, the topic that we were discussing, it was related to statistics. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, he has a headache. That's it. Oh, yeah. But um, actually, I wanted to kind of like cover that from a little bit different perspective today. Because then I was just yanking your chain. You know that I just wanted to um, try to yet again make you aware that it's a valuable tool for something. But today I'm going to use it for something else. I want to kind of like answer to some of the questions that you asked, actually, both of you asked on second year uh, of college, because uh, that's when both of you uh, kind of like sniffed at statistics society, that's useless, nobody cares. Yes, you did. He did it first, you did it later, by the way. Yeah, the thing is that when you, uh, because we, as I said, we talked about stuff that's important and stuff that's less important to us. Statistics rank, ranks and mathematics among the high things on your list of stuff that you don't necessarily care about. I understand that. That's okay. That uh, maybe has, maybe that has changed somewhat in the past couple of years, but still very far away from the level that, if I can be so blunt, I expect from you. This is something that I've considered for, for a, a long, long, long time. Basically, one, one time when we were discussing this, you asked me why you need to learn about certain <laughs> topics. We talked about economical topics. We talked about statistic, mathematics, etc. There were different topics, non-IT related. Or so you thought they were from your perspective that you had then, which is okay. And <coughs> I'm sorry. 
Yeah, you are not excused. Uh-huh. You're constantly, uh, constantly showing me off my course. Nah, just kidding. He's, he's not. I'm just playing games. Uh, I wanted, um, I wanted to revisit that topic because some of the other topics that we covered, I gave you complete answers to, to those. But when it comes to economic topics that you mentioned and statistical topics that you mentioned back then, I gave you semi half baked answers on purpose because I knew that we were going to talk about it eventually. And this is the time when it's going to happen. Uh, you, when you were second and third year, second for you, third for you, uh, you t- treated those topics as uh, cancer in your education, somewhat. Uninteresting, boring, I don't want to know about it, etc. I'm, I'm not putting you on the spot, it's okay, I understand why. But I didn't uh, expand on those things deliberately, because I was 100% sure that there's going to come a time when I will. And here's the reason why. So when we were talking about economics, I told you that you need to know how an invoice looks like, or a work order, something as simple as that. (coughs) Reason being because um, if you don't know how that works, if you make an invoice that is not correct, our our, um, tax system has a very nice way of making sure that you are very much naked the next day if somebody finds out about it, because there is there are strict rules guiding, guiding that. Um, a lot of the stuff that you learn there are not fact-based. This is your primary problem, because you like stuff that is fact-based and measurable, which is good and bad at the same time, because life doesn't consist of always rationally manage, managed things. It consists of various different types and shades of gray color, which you don't want to get yourself involved with, but you have to, because that's what life is. But there's actually a couple of other things that are very important for that discussion as well. You are a lot into fact checking. You're a lot, you are very immersed into the topics of fact checking in IT. You know, uh, you go check some article, try to apply that to a problem. You see if it works or not. You are true false people a lot of the times, which is wrong as well at the same time. But for IT, it works because it either works or doesn't. That's what IT is. It's a functional or non-functional entity. And you have to either make it work, you enjoy it. And then uh, if it doesn't work, you have to make it work. And you're very pragmatic about it. But the reason why we, uh, as an educational institution, thought you different topics related to that, which you couldn't understand then, but you will understand now, is because (coughs) somebody needs to teach you those things. A, because you are not uh, students of those topics anywhere else. You're not going to learn all of those topics as a part of your daily job. Uh, if someday you want to, uh, let's say, open a company, it's going to p- come back to hunt you. It's going to be very difficult for you if you don't. But there's a larger disposition of why this is important. The, it is because nobody teaches you that. And that's detrimental to you. The reason why a lot of the times you don't get education in stuff related to finances specifically is because there is no interest in that because there is no money to pick in for it. If you are very well versed into finances, credits, in leasing stuff, percentages, you know, um, the leasing rates, 
all of those things, then you are informed. And the industry doesn't want you necessarily to be informed because somebody tends to make profit from you in the longer term. This is the reason why we teach those subjects. Furthermore, um, a couple of months ago, we had a conference about it. One of our colleagues that I didn't, I don't think you had him as a professor, made a conference about exactly that. Credit scores, credit rating, how to apply for credit, how to work with papers, how to calculate your credit rates and all of that. We teach you those stuff because you have to know about them. It's not a question, it's a must. It's a, it's a prerogative of ours. Because nobody teaches you that, it's to your detriment because nobody stands to make money from it. Our gain from that is like a third level tangential. If you understand what I want to say, this, this makes absolutely no sense from my perspective to teach you that if I look at your education as IT education, I want to teach you more about IT. That's my goal. But I understand and value the value of those topics because they will make you better people for the life outside of IT, which is something that you still uh, that you are yet to find out about for like not everything about it, but a large part of it is still ahead of us and you need to be prepared for that. So with that being said, I like your arrogance and hubris in those respects, because that's what it was, you know, it was misinformed type of that, which is the reason why nobody uh, minds that. But uh, have a thought in your mind somewhere that you were wrong. Okay. It's okay to be wrong. I yes. Mean, it's it's okay to be wrong, but if you, it's not okay not to learn uh, how to deal with those things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the value of education is not just the value of uh, stuff that you learn about Red Hat, Microsoft, VMware, and networking and security. That's big part, but not the only part. The the other things that you were learning on a side, this is a conscious effort that uh, people here make as a part of your study programs. You, we know that you are going to take a, you know, a spit bottle and uh, have your way with us on the surveys, which is what you usually guys do, not you particularly, but generally speaking. But there is a larger and very important life reason why you have to have topics like that here. And it's much better to have those than uh, physics uh, number four and physics number five. But that's fun. It's <laughs> not. <laughs> Even for myself and for Yasmin, who attended a vastly different uh, era of college education, and we had multiple different topics on physics, electrotechnics, and mathematics, etc. We had seven or eight courses on mathematics, you had two. And you already complained about it, <laughs> you bunch of snowflakes. I'm just going to, before he starts uh, completely losing it, yeah. I'm, uh, done. <clears throat> I'm just going to say one thing. Uh, uh, when it comes to knowledge, uh, one of the greatest misconceptions that I have, I have heard uh, during the courses uh, was when uh, a deer guy, he was, he was a dear student and he's actually working for us today, told Vedran that he doesn't know anything about networking. Because he's into, he's into Linux, he, he doesn't know anything about networking. And this actually has a point for me, because in order to know Ansible, for example, you need to know a lot of fundamental things be, uh, uh, below that. You need to know how networking functions. You need to know how uh, 
I don't know, secure communication functions. You need to know a lot of programming, to be honest, in order to understand how the, what, you need to know about how, how packaging managers were work and so on and so on. So it is completely uh, wrong to say that some kind of education makes you too specific in your education. So if I said you are right now uh, certified uh, architects, this means that you don't know anything about Windows. Mm -hmm. This is completely wrong. Because we are coming to a point where you actually, your certification and Windows certification and everything else, yes? I mean, uh, like I have a feeling you're talking about me. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm talking about him because he was put on the spot. Yeah. Uh, a guy said that he doesn't know uh, networking. And, and that I hate one of my colleagues. And that you hate one of your colleagues. Which I don't. But the problem is that, the problem is that uh, people think that up to a point, uh, when they are not educated enough, I don't see that they are stupid. I said that, I'm saying that they lack enough formal education to understand how important stuff is and how much uh, did you put behind you. Yes. I mean, that reminds me like three years ago, back when we were working in Setcore, like my, my, like my view of, <laughs> my view of it all was, ah, oh, I don't care about networking. I'll be doing Linux. Mm -hmm. And I mean, of course I changed my mind. No, I'm not completely you. No, I don't your care. life changed your mind. No, 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 no. Uh, I don't care about uh, networking either. I know a guy who cares about networking, but I need to understand enough networking to be able to tell him what I need. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah. But for example, like the current networking courses that we're having, I find them really interesting because you don't know there's, there's the technologies. We but basically, with all the knowledge, there is the Dunning-Kruger effect. Mm -hmm. You need to know enough to understand the stuff, and then you are actually uh, you know enough to be able to actually do the stuff. And you know enough about the topic so that you understand how much you don't know about something. Mm, yeah, yeah. And so the networking is just as important. Yeah, because the networking. To be honest, is a boring topic for most of us. There is a guy behind us uh, right now uh, rolling his eyes around because uh, he's into networking. But I'm extremely glad that I know a guy, that I know a guy like him because he's a master of networking and he's able to do whatever he uh, uh, whatever needs to be done. And my networking knowledge needs to be. Uh, just good, good, good enough just to be able to explain what I need. Yeah. And that's it. So mm -hmm. okay. with this, I'm going to, I'm going to say that we need to uh, wrap this thing up. Yeah. I just want to leave you with two quotes that I kind of, uh, I was discussing in my head what uh, has to be the end message for you free. It's, is it going to get emotional? No. Okay. No. We're going to do that later. Mark Twain, I think, said, I never let my schooling get in the way of my education. Mm. Oof, that's, yeah. that's what I was discussing five minutes ago. Okay. So that's for you. And for the, the rant that I had five minutes ago, from our perspective as an educational institution, the, the service that we try to provide for you is not only education. I, I know that you are painfully aware of that because we did so many different things aside from education. But it's, it's not only that, it's about um, figuring out the way for yourself to influence something that's bigger than you. Our lives 
are like that because we try to help guys like you and many copies of you uh, that are uh, either on your level or lower level or somewhere in between doesn't really matter to get to your level and above for that purpose don't ever uh, don't ever forget that our purpose as educators is not um, and I, I remember what you um, what Mate was saying earlier and what you were saying earlier as well we kind of played a little bit with your egos at times knowing that you had them he is still on it because he's still third year student so he's yet to receive his portion of education on that part because he is the same as you are no difference whatsoever you're like uh, like from the same cloth okay but uh, the end, uh, end quote that I want to tell you is that this is something that's from one of uh, Yasmin's and myself uh, from our favorite, one of our favorite shows. Uh, never underestimate a group of intelligent and organized citizens when they put them, their minds to something and when they want to elicit change. Because as history shows us, that is the only, uh, the only thing that ever changed anything. Yes, it's about the community. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and then I'm going to finish with what's next. I don't know. We have uh, one more, one more podcast which is already in YouTube. Another one that needs to be, like, go. It needs to go through video editing. We have uh, at least fifteen topics in our document for the future. We are also taking requests. I saw one of them. I'm going to add them. Uh, the topic was Windows certification. So that also deserves to be covered, absolutely. And this is something that we're going to do in the future. Okay, and for the end thing, I would like to thank you guys for yeah. being an inspiration, because yes. you are. Uh, I'm just going to make, make a quick, quick, quick point. Uh, you remember your primary teacher from the primary school? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah I mean. Yes. Uh, this is the person whose main and only purpose is to make you better than him or her. Because if everything is okay, you need and must be better in mathematics, better in physics, even, even if the physics and mathematics are in the primary teacher curriculum. And the only reason why he or she is there is to create the learning environment and make you or make you understand the learning. So when you said that you're better than the teacher, you always should be. And this is the fine with me, this is fine with veteran, because this is the point of education. You need to be better than the teacher because you are always going to be. And this is good. So thank you guys for this. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Okay. okay. And thank you for everybody online as well for the questions. We'll see each other in future episodes. And thanks for the comments. Yes. Bye. 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 -bye.